Boom. Okay, guys, we're back with another wonderful episode of Just Context, episode five. Yo, we got some um, crazy things to talk about today. Um, just to put things in context, uh, basically, first, I would like to say um, congratulations to Ms. Um, Kamala Harris, based on the fact that she's Jamaican. I'm Jamaican, so I'm taking a little bit of cloud with that one. So I'm sorry, guys. I may be a little bit biased in some sense this week. Um, next thing, she's the first, I guess, black nominated woman in the sense that um, for the position. And I would like to say in the retrospect, from what I've gathered, um, black ladies, and I don't just want to say black women, just black women in general, but especially black women as being one of the major um, forefront, forefront pushers of the Democratic Party. So I would like to say congratulations on that for, for, women, for women empowerment. Um, so not to take her out of context this, this week, um, I guess we will, we will make to differ, but we're going to go back and forth. And I really want to hear Janelle's opinion on a lot of the things that was being said. So guys strapped in and let's go for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Janelle, let's, let's go. So, I mean, as you said, this week is, um, kind of giving recognition to the, candidate with Jamaican background. Um, so we can also uh, mention the other news about Jamaicans that have has kind of went viral now. Tell us about that first, Ian. I mean, you know, there's just so many, so much news that's going on. I mean, <laughs> it, in, just in Jamaica, I would say this, but I know a lot of people are happy over the Kamala Harris thing. That's one of the reasons I want to focus on it. Okay, um, well, um, definitely have to say congrats, um, definitely have to start out with saying I'm super proud of, um, just where, you know, our little country has made it on the map, but even more so, um, for her being somebody who has you know, made a, a career out of being a politician as a black woman in the United States, even though people are, you know, claiming that she's not black. I'm not really sure how that goes. Um, I'm not really sure how you claim um, Jamaicans aren't black, but apparently all of a sudden we're not black. I just think it's hilarious. Well, I mean, steal in that one. I just want to take a steal. Um, it's the guy, if, if anyone knows anything about Jamaica, our motto just so you guys know, is out of many one people. Because Jamaica is built on diversity of culture. I just want to make sure I can say this. So even when a lot of people is hitting the the fact that she has mixed race in it, now you know, I'm gonna say this. Just if even so I can get taken out of context. Um whenever I fill job applications out, I will hit other due to the fact that I I know I have different multi ethnicity inside of me. You know what I mean? And not not to play on the fact that I, I know the workplace need to need to hire somebody that says other <laughs> with it, but um, I play on that. So even when they started talking about oh her multiracial thing, I was like, man, I guess you guys have nothing know anything about Jamaican. Have you never run into a Chinese Jamaican person before that would blow your mind? That look completely Chinese and then start talking. I mean. Yeah, people are definitely talking about the fact that she's a uh, mixed race. But at the same time, I've definitely seen people actually flat out saying that she's not black because Jamaicans aren't black. And here's the thing. Jamaican, Jamaicans, uh, we, as you said, out of many one people, right? But apart from having so many races um, and ethnicities in Jamaica on a whole... Um, generally people who look like her, who are from Jamaica, who are in the United States, who were born in the United States, we identify as black. What else are we going ident to identify as, um, when, you know, police see us as black, when job interviewers see us as black, when, you know, just society in general in the United States sees us as black. You have even the slightest bit of black in you and you are black so it's confusing to me at this point that 
because she made it onto the Democratic ticket all of a sudden. When I say all of a sudden, you know, she was running for the Democratic ticket on her own up until last year. And no one came with this argument whatsoever. But now that she's on the ticket, all of a sudden, she's not black. Um, I just find that ironic. I find it confusing. It's it's just really interesting to me, the kind of hate that she's gotten um, within the last 24 hours, just literally since she was named the VP candidate. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. People are just literally spewing so much hate right now. And I want to get into a little bit of, uh, about that because um, I've personally noticed that a lot of things that people are saying about her and complaining about and just hating on her for, um, you would have never seen anything like this had it been a male candidate, number one, but a male white candidate, number two. Um I have never in my, you know, 30 something years of life ever seen this much hate for a candidate for um, things that they've done. I mean, you have people complaining that she um, incarcerated too many people while she was district attorney. I, I, I don't even know where to start with that one. You, I mean, are essentially complaining that she did her job too well. Well, Janelle, I'm happy you say that because it, I see things sometimes with a two-sided sword, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people um, forget that sometimes when you get when you get a job, your job come, comes with requirements and things you have to do. Now, in the sense that, um, in the sense of law, because I'm not as strong as a, a law participant as you are, but your your whole deal is to uphold the law and make sure that justice is being served, right? And if she would, and you want to say the thing is, because I'm not from the state of California, so I can't see how it was governed to that extent. But if she wasn't prosecuting black people, in a sense, you would have heard the fact that she's being favoritism, right? But now if she prosecutes black people for doing something wrong, and I can't, I'm, I can't speak on what they're being prosecuted for because I'm, I wasn't tied to any of the cases, and I would happy that I'm not. But in the, in the retrospect, prosecution has to get happened like in in your sense like your lawyer if you're a lawyer you're, you're supposed to protect somebody you're trying to protect somebody because they're innocent you know what i mean or if you're prosecuting somebody you're trying to prosecute somebody because they're guilty that's what law is there for and well, um okay so to be fair <laughs> um law really doesn't have um a lot to do with innocent and guilty um, I think the the general public and society sees it as that. Um, but really, law is not about, I mean, lawyers don't just represent people they think are innocent, right? Lawyers represent people um, no matter whether they're innocent or guilty. And regardless of whether they're innocent or guilty, the law has to be followed in either context, right? So, if you have, which is why we see a lot of people get off on crimes that everyone in the world knows that they did. <laughs> but if you have oh, a wait, case no, that... Hold on, you, you said people get off on crimes that they did. Just like how Billboard kind of did Jamaica with the Versus thing. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what I, that's what, that's the, the shout out that I was waiting I, for. I wanna, and, no, I, I know, but I'm just saying, but that is, the, that's just people getting away with crime. But that's a whole nother conversation. Let's continue back in Miss Harris. <laughs> We'll come back to that. Um, yeah, like you see people get away with crimes that they that, you know, the entire world knows that they did. But the problem is, is that the law doesn't cover the crime or the law. You can't prove um, certain things in court. Right. So, it, again, it, it's not really necessarily about innocent or guilty here. It's really about the law itself and what the law covers. Um and to me, it's, it's, I, I just, I have no words for the ridiculousness of attacking a district attorney whose job it is to uphold the law, whose job it is to prosecute criminals, whose job it is to prosecute, you know, 
um, people who are suspected of committing crimes and say that they put too many people in jail. Like, that's wild to me. I, like, I've never heard anything like that in my 30-something years of life. And again, had it been a male counterpart, had it been somebody in politics who was a, a male, let alone a, a white male, you'd have never heard anything like that. You'd have heard he was a, a, an amazing district attorney. He did his job so well. He had great numbers. Um, you know, he, he protected the public by putting criminals away. But all of a sudden, a black woman is on the ticket and she did her job too well. She put too many people in jail. It's crazy to me. So, Janelle, I was, I I agree with you, in a sense that you are right, and this is a this is a stigma that I would say you ladies face, especially I I mean you ladies in the law area, right? When you think about it, in a male dominated society, it is true, guys. Male woman has to work tri- twice as hard. For the same same amount of success as a guy has to do. So in the retrospect of her has to go out there and try to get these prosecution, yes. And you are correct, because if she was not doing if she was not getting prosecuted as a female lawyer, I would tend to think that the positions that she has acquired, she would not have acquired it. Because I ain't gonna lie, in the in in the in the, in the game of cat and mouse, numbers matter. Yeah. Um... It does. So, so I mean, completely understand what, what, but this is this is this is the part that 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 is crazy because they're saying she 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 prosecuted a lot of black people, right? Now, isn't that isn't that what the whole bipartisan thing should technically be? We need what what we're looking for in the in the in the society is someone that's fair across the borders. Because yes, I can be selfish. I can say this selfishly. So I'm taking myself out of context. I would love for Kamala to be all black the whole way right take me out of context for that one because that's that's me being selfishly right i would love the, that be that be a, a beautiful narrative but on to put it back in context the the reason why we want people in power is so we're fair across a spectrum and i felt like within the two last presidency we've been consistently watching this this issue like we're gonna start i'm gonna start with a little bit of obama in the retrospect that I don't even want to go into the Tea Party movement, right? When they were like, okay, well, no matter what Obama tried to pass, right? Whatever tried the law, we're not going to give him no bipartisanship. And they're like, well, he got bipartisanship with DACA. And I know why he got bipartisanship with DACA. And that's because Republicans wanted to make sure that they can still reach out to international voters, people from other countries who's moved here. Right. And it's starting a, di- and it's starting a different life, showing them that, you know, you know we we emphasize emphasize what you want. But other than from DACA, they, he really didn't get no support from anything else. Right now, we kind of see Trump going through the same thing. And it's like our country is so is so divided that people want the, the, the negative narrative to get to get pushed more than something positive. I would say this since, since I would say this, let, 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 let's let's take let's take a bigger stance. We all have, have judged Donald Trump for things that he's done prior to his presidency, right? But majority of the stuff that we've judged him for is what he's done since he decided he started to run as a president. Wrong or right? Not say we haven't judged him on, on his apprentice and his celebrity appeal, right? A lot of people can say this. All right, we're gonna go with. We're gonna say when the first, the first, the first home run hitter, when Mexicans sends their people and they're coming over here, right? We can go from that. We can go from the asshole countries. We can go from the travel bans and all these different narratives that we started judging him on. We, we, let's not go from the ban. We're gonna go from the Mexicans and and one of my biggest thing that 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 as a parent I'm completely against. You know, what I mean, as a man, loving to my wife, it may seem appealing because that's that's a bedroom issue. So you can take me out of context as that one. But as a parent, I don't want anybody to be telling to be saying stuff like that to be heard, right? And as a whole, while he was on campaign, and he was in the in the back room talking, grabbing them by the yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. So 
so there there is so much more that we can say that we we try to judge him on. Now, I will say this, and this is to be fair, you know. I've seen, uh, and I'm not saying probably because I have a lot of a lot of Republican friends on my timeline because I like to be open minded, right? Um, they've posted a lot of the Joe the Joe Biden bumbling, the mumbling, blah, 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 blah. he mumbled all over the place, right? Or Joe just can't keep his conversation straight. But these things that we're judging Joe Biden from is what we're judging on based on the fact that since he started running, right? I think we should give Kamala the fair chance of that as well. Well, to be fair, um, it's not just since they've started running. Um, something that I think they've been very harsh on Joe Biden and Kamala about is their role in the criminal justice system. So um, a lot of people have attacked Joe Biden on his role in the 1994 crime bill um, because he was the one who introduced the bill. Um, Bill Clinton ended up signing it, you know, eventually. Um, but it, right. it was it was a bipartisan um, bill. It wasn't um, solely democratic. And I think a lot of people um, attacked him for that because essentially that bill um, ended up making the prison industrial complex what it is today. Um, that bill and ended up, you know, attacking the black community, um, something that I'm not entirely convinced that anyone really saw where that was going i think that at that point in time everybody including the black caucus including um black representatives um wanted that bill to get signed in like everyone was concerned about the rising crime levels everyone was concerned about you know rising violent crime levels at that point in in time and the people who signed off on it were not just Joe Biden and Bill Clinton. Um, the you know black representatives were also behind that bill. I do know that you know if you do a little bit of research, you realize that Joe Biden um, introduced the bill. Yes, but the bill that he introduced was not the same bill that actually got signed. When you have you know the Republicans coming on to. Um, try to say, okay, well, we need to change this and we need to change that. There's a lot of compromise that happened with that bill. So essentially what did get signed into um, law was not what he initially came with. Um, and I think that it's highly unfair to blame Joe Biden, you know, as one person for everything that happened after that bill was signed in. Um I mean, you can compare the crime bill to how they kind of view Obamacare towards healthcare, because when you look at what the bill was, when and the Affordable Care Act for anybody who was who enjoyed the Affordable Care Act but didn't like Obamacare, right? When the the that was first introduced, it wasn't the same thing. I want Wait. you to understand. They got a hold of it and they ripped it apart for a second. But continue, Janelle. I just want to make sure that like anyone who is listening who is uneducated realizes that Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act are the same thing. Literally the same thing. Not essentially the same thing. Not, you know, not a brother or a sister type relationship. They are the same thing. Because there are a lot of people who think that they're not the same. I agree, Janelle. That's the reason why I said it the way I said it. Because a lot of I've had people looked at me and said to me that like I completely disagree what Obama did with that with that Obamacare thing. But the benefits that I got from the Affordable Care Act was way better. Why he didn't go that route. And I'm looking over them like <laughs> All right. Here we go. But I feel like it is the same it is it, it was the same thing because all right, and I want I wanted to I wanted to attack the crime bill for a little bit. One of the yeah. reasons why Bill Clinton got elected, right, Janelle? I want to make sure I said this was because of the crime bill, because the crime bill, what was introduced was shown that Democrats and Republicans could come together for bipartisanship. And that at the time, because Democrats were considered being soft or what was going on on crime and criminals, that Bill Clinton had to show that he had some backbone and was tough. 
that was completely even doing like that was something that was being said up to 10 years even after that it's not until now and i would like to say this yes the longevity of the bill was detrimental and this is a lot of things that i think people should should be paying attention pay attention to especially right now with a lot of the executive orders i'm not saying the executive orders are wrong right but we need to we need to start vetting what a long term process could be. We have scientists who technically are I'm gonna say computer computer analysis, right? Who can put these things in in simulation to give you a somewhat of a percentile of what would work. And when computer analysis did put the crime bill, they basically was like, yes, if they would have did this part of the analysis, it would have shown that it would have generated this. Right. But I want to I want to say this. These are things that are not even been taken into consideration right now, not to be taken out of context. Just for them to understand the narrative. Yeah, um, I I just want to make it clear. I feel like the black community at this point, I'm not really certain what it is that people want from politics at this point because I feel like every time I turn around people have some complaint and I'm sitting here like I mean you're never gonna get the perfect candidate like that's not how politics works like this isn't a build-a-bot robot kind of situation like you're going to have candidates that you don't agree with, you know, 100% of the time. You're going to have candidates that have a past, that have done stupid things, that have done things that, you know, ended up being, a, you know, a ridiculous thing or, or adversely affecting, you know, a, a certain population in the United States. And, and I, I think that it's, only fair to keep in mind the context behind all of these things so that's the reason that i bring up the fact that everyone in that um that was involved in that bill in 1994 were concerned about crime they were concerned about rising crime that had started even before the bill got signed into law they were concerned about you know the incarceration rates that were raising um before the the bill got signed into law um, it, it didn't, you know, automatically start with this bill. Um, and on top of that, when he introduced the bill, there were so many, as you said, Democrats were lenient back then. There were so many different things that, you know, he didn't agree with. There were things that he he definitely was softer than people wanted it to be. And that's why when the Republicans got involved, they changed a lot. Um, he introduced drug courts at that point um, when he introduced that bill, which I think, uh, I mean, my personal opinion, I've seen the drug courts up close and personal because um, we had that at the children's court when I was working. And as much as it may not seem like, um, I guess, something that people want, I think that it's a great option compared to incarceration. I think that when you have the drug courts and you're able to say, okay, well, you need to go to rehab or you need to, you know, um, get drug tested and you need to stay on a program and have some kind of um, oversight where, you know, maybe you get your life back. <laughs> um, I think that's a, a great alternative to saying, okay, let's just incarcerate everyone who's who's caught with drugs, right? Um, I'm not I'm not saying that you know he magically fixed anything. I'm just saying that put things in context. Like, don't sit here and complain about every single thing that had happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago when you're not realizing what the context was back then. Like, things were a hell of a lot worse than they are at this point when it comes to crime. Things were a hell of a lot worse at that point when it came to drugs on the streets because that's when drugs got introduced in communities back yes. then right so yes. I, I just feel like you know blaming them for everything is just ridiculous on top of that you have you know people complaining about his 1994 crime bill but then also bringing um kamala into the mix and saying well you know she helped you know lock up a bunch of black people too like you you cannot blame somebody for doing their job and doing it well that doesn't make any sense well, to me well, well, you know, let, let me say this. Um, a lot of people is for is forgetting a couple of different things, right? Um, for one, during during the era of the crime bill, there's two things that was going on, and we're gonna talk about what 
the long-term effects of crack cocaine was having and what they were trying to stop from filling up prisons with with at the moment because it was becoming overpopulated with people who was getting caught with small small doses of drugs and was getting extensive jail time because of what the, the penalty was when a lot of people at that moment did needed to be re, 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 rehab, rehab, rehabilitated. Yeah, sorry guys, right? Don't judge me. But in the sense of what was going on, especially in California, and I want to use the word especially in California, New York was going through it too, but it was very strong in California. The violence between gang violence between the Crips and the Blood during that moment was at an all-time high. And if we even want to go back to a lot of those early days when it was going crazy, we can take NWA, listen to their music during that era. What, what they were dealing with police, for one, let's not even go, I'm not, 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 let's not even talk about their, their issue of what they were dealing with police, but what the gang activity was in their area. We had movies like Boys in the Hood that was, that was depicting what was going on in that community. And in the sense that, yo, they need to clean a lot and, and started getting people back, back on track. And I want you to realize what happened right after that boom. That's when you start seeing young black entrepreneurs start stretching out because a lot of them started realizing in that moment, like, yo, is it, is it a real, there's no money in the crack or drug game because my boys are getting, my boys are getting 15, 20 years life. Let me start making this career change. That's what it started doing. And then look, look at what the look, look at what rappers are now. It, 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 it pushed rappers even further. I may not like what rappers are doing right now in the in the retrospect, but it gave it gave a lot of opportunity to create a young millionaires because it was like, yo, cause look, you got some talent. If you keep gangbanging, you're gonna die or go to jail. And you know, like, I got a little sound, boy. And there you go. Next thing you know, you're a rapper. So I want you to understand, like, yes, it, it was tough. And I, and a lot of people keep forgetting that. Like, before you can make an omelet, you have to crack an egg. That's the whole reason why the outer shell is so thick. If that's the case, everybody will be making eggs. Right? But it goes through a process first. So you have to understand that process. And I can't even say this. A lot of people love eggs. <laughs> you go to Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, it's everywhere. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying. But that's where that it came from. Like it, it sometimes you know it comes from a tough process. Like, all right, let um we're gonna we're gonna let's take let's take something out of context for a second, right? The chicken is considered it's called it's called the red hen of the red it's considered Amazon red hen if I said it correctly. Right? Now up to this day, you would never know what the real chicken looks like because he's a skinny animal. But somebody had to go out there and make a difference and try the chicken and be like, yo, this, this meat is good. Right? And look at it now. Now we're now we've mass produced chicken. But sometimes you have to go through these processes. And yes, as I said, simulation, they should have done a simulation to understand what this would have done for the prison system. But what a lot of people is not saying is that prison system became privatized. Like, did you guys have got that? You guys remember, oh, we don't want government to control the prison system. So we made companies privatize prisons so they can start getting getting body counts for for per day. Where you can say that different different prisons that depends on where you're located is how much money that prison is getting from you. I mean, I don't even have to go down the conspiracy theories or the documentaries or how people are trying to out the prison or how they've been transformed. I mean, transferred so many different times. Right. But I want you to understand what they should have fought for is it's not to privatize the prisons. Yep. And, and that's when that really happened. But as I said, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. It is. So another thing that I, I wanted to talk about is um, another critique of Kamala is that she supposedly um fights to uphold the death penalty which i mean it's a flat out lie <laughs> just a flat out lie i don't know i don't understand how people can just um you know spread this kind of information and just lie on the woman the woman has always like throughout her entire career been against the death penalty 
Um, that has never changed. Um, she, you know, one of her first moves when she became district attorney was actually not prosecuting and going for the death penalty on a case that the police union themselves um, addressed her and wanted her to file for the death penalty for a cop killer. She refused to. Um, things like that, to me, says so much because when you have somebody who is, again, a black woman in the office that she held, willing to stand up to the entire police force, it's mind-blowing to me that you would, at this point in time, you know, 10, 20 years later, look at her and say, you know, she's not a good candidate, number one, but number two, you know, she's for the death penalty and all of this. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me how she could go from, you know, pissing off the entire police union in L.A., <laughs> Um, because she didn't want to file for the death penalty, and then all of a sudden it's she's for the death penalty. How does that work? Um, and I think, uh, you know, one of the reasons that people complained about um, her and her stance on the death penalty was because at, at some point in time there was a case that um, there was a, a, a man on death row who I guess had appealed to the district attorney's office um, to, I guess, pay or, um, yeah, like pay for or oversee the process of, um, what is it, like uh, DNA testing and um, other kinds of testing for his case so that he could clear his name in the case that he was on the death penalty, I mean, de death row for. Um, she declined, um, or I guess her office declined, and it kind of became like a stain on her reputation after that point. Um, he has not up to this point been um, cleared of the crime, but the governor apparently stepped in and decided to have, you know, whatever tests ran um, to help him out in that situation. So I think we're all kind of still waiting to find out what happens in that case. But people were upset with her because, you know, you have a, a stance of being against the death penalty, but then you don't try to help somebody who's on death row with um, this situation. Now, I, I almost feel like we can't really judge but I do know that she has commented on it since then and said that she you know felt really awful about the situation um so I know she regrets her stance at that point but I also kind of look at it and I want to know what was the reasoning like why what why did you not want to get involved in that situation what was going on in your office at the time was there a budgetary constraint was there you know pressure from outside sources was there pressure to say okay I came in hot and pissed off the police union like you know let me kind of cool my jets right now. I, I don't really know. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving reasons. I'm not giving explanations. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I'm wondering what the situation was. Um, but I do know people were pissed off about that situation and, you know, claiming that she's for the death penalty because of that situation. I don't really know how you get, you know, one plus one equals two from that situation, but okay. Um... <laughs> Um, another situation that people, you know, were at her for was, I, I, I guess, the amount of people that were incarcerated for marijuana charges during her tenure as dis district attorney. Um, and somewhat later when she was, um, running for office for the, you know, the Democratic ticket, she went on The Breakfast Club and she did an interview where she was asked if she had ever tried marijuana and she, I guess, kind of, you know, laughed at it and said, yeah, she, you know, tried it in college um, or something along those lines. And people were super pissed off with her. Um, you know, how could you laugh at this situation and say that you've tried it, but then, you know, lock people, so many um, people up for 
marijuana crimes and you know she was really big on on um i guess drug charges that was one of her things like she was really against um uh drug charges she's since changed her stance um she's okay with uh medical marijuana at this point she's also okay with um decriminalizing marijuana and using um profit from marijuana to pay for expunging um you know cases for people who didn't have violent drug charges um which i think is a great stance i think people are you know just pissed off about the fact that she's changed her stance from you know back then to now um but i just i'm not really i'm not really sure how to be upset with somebody again for doing their job. I mean, generally you have to believe in what you're doing to do your job. And if she believed that the, the, the rule of law at that point saying that, you know, drugs were bad and um, people who got arrested for drugs or whatever the case um, needed to be prosecuted. I'm not, I'm not really sure how to go back and say, well, she was a horrible person for that. Well, Janelle, can I take something out of context based on the marijuana conversation? Yeah. Um, in, in the sense that um, during during Kamala, Kamala Harris's um, term, a lot of the marijuana that was coming in through the United States was coming in through two different areas. Um, it was coming through coming in through Texas and through California. So she had to be extremely strong on drug charges during that moment. So I can, I'm not saying I don't agree with her, but based on what she was there in office for, I completely um, understand. Now, I'm going to be, I'm going to completely get taken way out of context for this one. A lot of people is upset about her stand against her stopping the marijuana coming in through, you know I mean, through the borders, right? But you guys are happy now when I would say 95% of the marijuana that's is sold inside of the United States of America comes out of California, and you guys are getting higher quality and better, and better dosage, right? No more seeds. <laughs> so that's me taken way out of context. It's just so we can put that back in context in the sense that in, in, this, in the strain, she did help to get us less seeds and better quality, guys. So let's 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 see if we let's see she, let's see where she goes for this decriminalization, but um, that's the reason why I want to take a stab at that because during that period, the Mexican cartels, right, and not to say anything because during that stance, this is how crazy it is. We're talking about presidential candidate, and Donald Trump was supporting her during this moment. He, you know, I mean, not largely. He sent her six grand. Well- yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. Um, more than supporting her, he actually like donated to her campaign oh, just to put yeah. that out there. So so the man is busy, you know, oh, she's a horrible person and blah, blah, blah. Like, she wasn't a horrible person to you a few years ago. Like, let's keep it real. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not when she was helping a narrative. You know what I mean? Uh, so in in that retrospect, what she was doing in California at the time, they they were loving her. And this 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 is where it is and this is this is the reason why and I've, I've i've realized this is what obama faced in presidency when you're black every issue of race is delicate i would say this white people and not not to not to get taken too far out of context white people get to get away with it because people look at them and like oh they're white so they're known for that but it's like when you're black or of any ethnicity and i want to say this for my hispanic community as well Whenever you're dealing with anything of race, it becomes so delicate. It very is. And I will and I wouldn't want to make sure and, and say this. A lot of what the marijuana trade that was going on was coming through California and Texas. And I want to say largely California, because if you if you think about what the gang activity was then, if if you know it, and I'm not gonna say what what funds gang activities, y'all know it. I don't have to. Yeah, I mean, if if you guys want a definition, hit me up. We can have this conversation directly. But to put it back in context, is that this this is what she's been put in position to stop. And if she was, and I want, and I really want to reiterate this part, guys. If she was not doing a good job, she would never be in the position she is in right now. It is very important. 
like we can go back to the Obama campaign when there everybody was that Obama was the perfect candidate when we nominated him the first term. Like people on both sides, people had to look at him like, oh my gosh, yo, we feel that this change is coming. Right? But if you guys are not willing to work together and none of this is going to be an issue. And I'm saying this to, to, to hear the, the first thing, the first major statement I heard from the president was as for the talking about the woman was calling her nasty. And I was like, Mr. President, this not saying I didn't expect you to take the high road, right? But we already know that you've been very discriminative to women. Now, I'm not going to say this in, 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 the, in a game of chess. And I've realized that the, that Trump is not is not losing as much voters as people think. But you would let, let's take this, give the opportunity. She's been nominated. Give her the respect she's been for nomination, right? Let let her let her sit. Give her give the lady forty eight hours, right? Give her forty eight hours. Let she sit in that position. Let her sit in it, like <laughs> man, like let her relish in the moment. Because at the end of the day, Mr. President, I want to say this. I'm not saying we don't care about Mike Pence, right? Because no one really does. That's better to tell. But um, let, let Kamala breed. You should have let Mike Pence attack her. I would have felt better. Because this, this, this should have been a, a, a bite, right? For the, for, for the dogs. You feel me? You're supposed to, you're supposed to be the head honcho with the leash. Like, let her sit for a little bit. You feel what I'm saying? Tell her congratulations. You know what I mean? Then let her relish in the moment. Then you can go on the move. My dude, you took the first opportunity to bash her. I mean, let's be real. No one thought that, you know, anything different was going to happen. I mean, the man is the most petty, immature, childish, grown-ass man I have ever seen in my entire life. Like... You know, the world revolves around him. He's the biggest narcissist that I have ever seen in my entire life. So I expected nothing less. I expected nothing less of him when some somebody threatens his face, when someone, you know, is threatening to him. Um, you know, he's scared of the woman. And it's very obvious. Anyone who he's scared of, anyone who, you know, he feels like maybe in, encroaching on his presidency or maybe encroaching on his space, that's when he attacks. That's when he comes out and, you know, starts calling people names and, you know, will go head to head with them. And I mean, we've seen that throughout his entire presidency, this entire four years. It's basically been, you know, who is he going to attack now? Like, let's see what Gossip Girl has for us today on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to laugh because it is facts. It's whatever Gossip Girl does have on Twitter. And it's it's it, it is crazy that... um. Twitter has told us more about our president than 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 his policies, but that's a whole other conversation in in the retrospect of of what of what he does from what he types, right? Because I, I still feel like he should have a team that vets those conversations, but I see how that works. Because <laughs> the perp the, the no the narrative gets pushed with it, you know, because he will like in a press conference, and I want to say this, like the narrative that they use social media for 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 people is is insane. Like he will say one thing on social media, and then when he comes to the press conference, he gets into try to do it a little smooth of a way. Like, like everything that you just typed is is null and void. But I I get it. But I will say this: what what President Trump has completely shown, and I know his supporters will love will will love this part of the conversation, is that he's speaking their narrative. Yes. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Moving on. This isn't about that grown toddler in the White House. This is about my girl, Kamala. That's correct. (laughs) So we're getting back to her. Um, And, you know, like I said, I just really wanted to um, discuss some of the critiques of her because I really think it's it's highly unfair, number one. But number two... um, as I said before, you're just not going to find somebody who is the perfect candidate. Like, you're not going to find somebody who you agree with everything on. Um, she is the best candidate for the job. She, you know, from from when she was running for herself on the Democratic ticket, I mean, I didn't see things that, that made me go, oh my gosh, red flags. I really didn't. Um, 
she's had to carry herself completely differently than her 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 male counterparts and i think she's done a, a wonderful job at that um one of the the i mean i don't know if you have seen any other critiques of her but one of the last critiques that i saw of her um was in relation to her office i guess attorneys in her office making the argument that um they didn't want to release certain inmates, uh, even though I guess it was time for them to be released. Um, like they had served their time already because um, apparently it was like fire season in L.A. at the time. And the um, inmates were being used basically for free labor. I mean, which is not I mean, that's normal. <laughs> that's not anything out of the ordinary. Um, inmates are, I mean, you'll see them on the highway picking up trash and stuff like that's that's what they do. I mean, that's um, how they get, you know, the, the, the little privatization uh, money from it. You know, they, they sorry? They get time reduction on that thing too. Right. I mean, not just time reduction, but they also get, you know, time away from their actually their actual prison cells so or jail cells. Um, so it's not it's not, you know, entirely a horrible thing. I'm not saying that I completely agree with it because, you know, we basically have new slaves at this point. Um, but that aside, all I'm all, all I, I said that to say that it's not abnormal. This isn't something that was, you know, made and and, um, you know, perpetrated under her. It was just something that, you know, was a thing at that point. So her attorneys argued in court that they didn't want to let these inmates go because they were going to need people to um, work in the, I guess, fire club or whatever they were calling it at the time. Right. Um. She got the heat for that because it came from her office and she was the district attorney. Now, I just kind of want to break it down a little bit and put a little bit of context to it because I'm not saying that she shouldn't get, um, you know, heat from it. She was the person who was running that office. But I will let you know that government offices um, generally are not, you know, well-oiled machines, number one. <laughs> but number two... You really don't, I mean, when I was working at the children's court, um, you know, for the government, I barely ever saw the person who was in charge of that office. The lawyer who was in charge of, like, the district, I barely saw them. Um, I might have seen them, you know, once every, what, four months walking around the halls because maybe they just had, like, downtime. Um, but me, as a lawyer working in that office, I had... Um, my, you know, I was in one department, first of all, um, because there's many departments, just as there's many departments in the district attorney's office, you know, you have, uh, departments that handle felony, misdemeanor, domestic violence, organized crime, like, you know, there's so many different departments, right? So on top of the, you know, there being so many different departments, you have a group of attorneys that are, um, strictly for, you know, one department. And then you have a supervisor of those attorneys. And then that supervisor has her own supervisor, which is the managing attorney. And then the managing attorney has her own supervisor, which is the district attorney, right? So it, it, you go through so many levels in one of those offices that to say that she you know, should have known um, what one of her attorneys in one of her departments in... Um, the district attorney's office was going to argue in a case. Um, it's a little bit naive um, because nobody is checking in with, you know, the supervisor and then the managing attorney and then the district attorney to say, hey, this is what I'm going to argue in court on Monday. That's just not how it works. That's inefficient. Um, however, when it was discovered that this was being used as an argument in that case, she did put a stop to it. When she realized, she did literally go to the attorneys and say, never use that argument again. So I think a lot of people are going after her and saying, you know, your office wanted to use people for free labor and keep people in jail longer than necessary and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, Yes, she's the boss. Yes, she's the district attorney, but she also doesn't control people. <laughs> it's like saying that, um, you know, 
somebody works for a company and got into an accident, I mean, the boss had nothing to do with that accident. Yes, there's still somewhat to blame for it because that employee was working for that company and you are the boss at the time, right? But if you, like, you can't be in the car with them, driving the car with them and make sure that they don't crash. At the end of the day, you take some of the heat and you take some of the blame because you are in charge. But like, let's be realistic here. All she could have really done in that situation is to nip it in the bud and fix it when she found out about it. And that's exactly what she did. So I'm not, you know, here to say that she's completely blameless, but I'm also saying, like, relax. I mean, like, people are just going to town on her and just hating on every little thing that they can find. And honestly, I'm looking at it like, I I just really don't see how any of these things are so incredibly heinous that you would ever hear them being brought up had it been someone else. I just don't. I can't. Like I said, it's been over 30 years of me being on this earth, and I have never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Now, Janelle, other than for the craziness, can I tell you that's something that I'm looking forward to? What? Okay, so uh, let me ask you a question, just, 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 just so I don't switch topics. What is America's national dish? America has a national dish. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not. I want to make sure I'm not the only person who didn't know. So you know, I've been I've been on social media. So I'm gonna take myself out of context for a little bit, and I've come to realize that no one else knows that America has a national dish, and we're basically saying if if come out if you know what I mean Joe Biden Camilla is on a ticket if they become president that um, oxtail may become America's new national dish. Okay. <laughs> okay, wait, but I need to go back. What is America's national dish? I don't know. Listen, I, okay, <laughs> I'm over you. I don't know. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm not gonna lie. I think I think we're gonna have some escovitz fish. We're gonna we got you know we're gonna show up to the White House. They're gonna, they're gonna have ackee and sawfish out there. I got things I'm looking forward to. Like somebody, okay. like somebody, look, somebody, look at me at today, Janelle. You see how you see how we've seen all these negative narratives, right? And I said to them, "Look, if if that's the case, I can still point out a whole bunch of reasons why I still wouldn't vote for Donald Trump." And as 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 crazy as it sounds, like if you put them on the pendulum scale, or you know, what I mean, just so you can weigh, you can weigh that option. Camilla does to me, their ticket, to, personally, this is from my opinion, guys, not to say I'm trying to sway anybody's narrative, right? I feel like their ticket just became a tad bit stronger. For one, I felt like all the areas that Joe Biden was weakened, the same reason why I feel like the reason, a lot of the areas that Trump was, re- was weakened, why the, de- why the Republican Party had Mike Pence, right? But in the retrospect, all the areas that I feel like Joe Biden is weakened, Kamala is there to straighten him. And that's what black women do for men. Facts. No fiction, right? And this is the reason why. So, guys, from, from the start of the conversation, I've said this. The Democratical Party has been strongly been pushed and ran by strong black women. If you've looked at... if you. We can go back to to different times where she's been in trial, where she has to call people out. For one, I would like to say this. You guys love Donald Trump because he's calling people out, correct? I mean, not the way that I probably would like, but he's calling people out. On the retrospect, she's calling people out. And I would say this when I see in the court of law, because that's where I'm seeing her called in Congress and court of law. I haven't seen her, well, she's called out Joe Biden on the stage too, but what we have seen in the matter is that she's not scared to call somebody out. And we need, we, we need that. We need a strong black woman. I think this is, if one thing we've proven at this point is that we need it in the office. I will say this, if Donald Trump wants want, want probably grab my nomination, any other sense, he may, if he get rid of Pence and get a black woman, he may, he may he, his ticket would look so much more better, guys. But at this point, yeah, I know, you know, that's the reason why I say it like that. But at this point, 
the democratical ticket just got a major boost in my eye. I'm sorry. But I said it in the beginning as well to put me back in context. I will be biased. Listen, someone said on Twitter today, Joe Biden could have picked the devil himself and we would still be riding with him to the polls on November 3rd. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. We riding out. November 3rd, that's what's happening. November 3rd. There's no way in hell that Trump would be getting my vote. There's just no way in hell. The man is a racist. He is a a sexist. He is, like, he actually, actually, he, he is the devil. But yeah. you know, well, you know that's it's, it's it's a strong comment, you know, for an El Presidente. But I completely understand on your point of view, right? Um, based on based on um the type of things that he pushes, a lot of people do feel that way. I mean, and I feel like I feel like this one man Terrence is an X Men freedom fighter, because I had somebody told him today that the, the the he's the greatest president to ever run the presidency. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, he, he, do you know that he he he's per, um. Protesting, he's um called the call. I forgot it. I forgot where Mount Rushmore is located at the moment. Blah, but he yeah, wants he wants to be up there, like he wants to be on Mount Rushmore. And I'm and I'm looking at it. I'm like, you see this 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 is this this is what this this is what the, the narrative is. One man terrorist is the next man freedom fighter. But I would say this: with Kamala Harris in power, right? Y'all food line is guaranteed to change. Y'all y'all already be telling me that y'all love our island food, right? Now let's let's get away from the food topic. What are some of the things that I hear Republicans asking for that they're not getting, and them and Black Democratical Party people have in common, but Trump hasn't given them legalization of marijuana. That's been cross the platform. I haven't heard that being proposed, but I've heard Joe Biden and Kamala Harris said that they want to do that, and they are willing to go through channels. Right. I will say that if that if that if that goes goes in along with the crime bill that I guess that Trump, Donald Trump, whatever he I forgot what it's called, the executive order that he passed to help free people, that will eliminate a lot of people from jail. That's the reason why. But the, those are those are different things and different narratives that's being pushed and why my vote is sway where it is right now. And I tell people this all the time: vote for your narrative. I mean, you don't have to tell people that they're going to do it anyway. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. But Janelle, um, we so look, we chopped up Camilla. Let me let me let me take a stab at something else from earlier. Or you want something else? Go. Well, okay, there's one more thing that I did see people saying, and I just wanted to make a quick comment on it. Um, people are saying that this is the first time in history that none of the Democratic candidates ha- have Ivy League educations, Ivy League degrees. Really? Um, and I think people, I guess, were waiting to see if he would choose a VP um, candidate that did come from an Ivy League background, but that didn't happen. And here is, you know, the the rebuttal, I guess, um, to that statement is that this is the first time that there are no Ivy League backgrounds on the Democratic ticket, but it's also the first time that there is an HBCU background oh, on the Democratic you know, ticket. No, Janelle, boy, I was waiting for you to give me a, to give me a breath because I was trying. I was like, oh, so because she has an H, HBCU, she does. She's not considered right. Um, substantial. It's not Ivy League. You know what? You know what? Shannon Sharper's right. That's why he. That's why he went to an HBCU. <laughs> because it, because it's the, the respect is not there, because because you didn't go to Yale, which was let, let me, let's not let's not dig two two different grades. I will no. say this um for the wait hold on Janelle for the HBCU part for the for the, just 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 because of that I'm gonna say this I'm 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 begging I'm begging my I'm, I'm begging them not to make that a political talk because if Trump really really wants to push black minorities away. He needs to keep that out of his mouth. People need to keep out the internet. I'll say this, but I'll say this. If Camilla wants to win, I'm going to need y'all to push that narrative. <laughs> Am I being sneaky, guys? <laughs> I'm going to need you guys to comment and let me know. Unreal. Well, as I said before, shout out that Jamaican background woman. Shout out that black 
American woman. Shout out that highly educated, progressive, democratic vice president nominee. And yep. shout out her HBCU. I think it was Howard. I think she went to Howard. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, peeps. But regardless, shout out all the HBCUs out there. Um, so, yeah. Moving on. We're leaving our Jamaican VP behind um, to prepare her at and Saltfish for the White House. Um, Yo, hey, Janelle, I'm telling you, dog. Can you imagine what it's going to smell like when you pull up and there's, like, some fried dumpling being cooked, you know? <laughs> Just me? I'm All telling right. you. So moving into verses and how they completely dissed Jamaica and people are not happy about it. Well, I am, I am first and foremost, I am not happy. I would say this, if, if the, not just the Jamaican part of it, but for a Bonticilla and Beanie Man to, to do versus the way they did, the attention that they've gained, the, for, for one, there, that was the first time two versus artists was inside of the same studio together, right? And for them to go ahead and, and, and hate on it, is is one thing. Now, it, it if you if you even if you look at the numbers, they got people up there who did not do nowhere close to their numbers. So it's it's like it's a completely denial to me and a complete dismissal of my culture. So I guess that's the reason why I am salty about it, right? And when you ask them about it, they're like, oh yeah, we acknowledged it, but you know, we just technically um didn't get to go ahead and and use them on the imagery. And I'm like, yo, they were technically like if if like if you go to the top, I wouldn't even say the top, the top, the top three. They're ranked top two. That's what I was about to second. say. That's what I was about to say. Like their numbers were completely first of all, they were number one for a while until who who broke the record? I forgot who it was. Um I don't remember, as bad as it sounds. I don't think anyone no, I don't. Rem I don't remember who broke their record. Whatever, it doesn't matter. They were at the top for a while. They brought in the most views. They brought in the most like people. It was trending like crazy on Twitter. Like they literally did that for verses. Yeah. They put verses on the map, if you want to call it that. And I'm not. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you know um, Swiss Beats. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the people who actually put it together. But at the end of the day, like they brought it. They were the ones and they were the reason that people started actually paying attention to the extent that they did. So the people who, you know, made it to the number one spot and, you know, technically beat them out, I suppose. I mean, I'm not really looking at it as a beat them out. It, I mean, I, I wasn't really looking at it as a competition until this situation. But if we're going to really look at, like, what made verses into what they are, um, you know, throughout yeah. the whole quarantine thing... It really was Beanie and Bounty at the end of the day. Like, let's keep it real and let's, you know, give credit where credit is due. So the fact that it's like, oh, well, we just didn't get to put them on. We, we just, like, what is it? You you forgot to put the people who were, like, one of the most influential, like, groups onto the cover? Like, are you insane? And it's, it's not even that, you know, the part that hurt me the most is that on the international platform of it, they were the biggest international act coming from a whole nother country. Like literally, I, and now I'm gonna say this, and for you, for you guys from Billboard to, to take to take dance all away from it, and I'm gonna use the word dance all, not just Bunty Kill and Beanman. Basically, every artist out there gave some form of tribute to dance all. If you even remember, Alicia Keys' first track was was Get the Story Remix with, with Baby Sham. If I just to make sure I'm I'm corrected on that, right? So you guys can you guys can't take it, and yeah, we know you guys been undermining, and I'm saying this because you guys can take me. I'm taking myself way out of context, in a sense that you guys forgot that like reggae island music, dancehall music formed the rap culture. We brought that. Like we're forefathers. We're not we're not even like a cousin. We're forefathers. We're triple OGs. Not even, not even the one O. Not even two. We're triple. Matter of fact, we're founders. Like how you take, how you want to take that away from us? 
I mean, this isn't something that I feel like we're not used to by now. People continuously come to our country, take our culture, take our music, go back to their countries and pretend that it was theirs. And when I say that, I mean, like, at the end of the day, the artists know where the music comes from. The artists partake in the music. I mean, look at the biggest culture vulture that, you know, the world has come to know is Drake. Like, Drake comes to Jamaica every chance he gets. He eats our food. He tries to speak like us. He, you know, assimilates into our culture, hangs out with the the local artists, hangs out, you know, with the, the local people in general. And then when he goes back to his little house in Canada, he's telling everybody, this is Toronto speak. This is Toronto things. Like, we're used to this. This is this is not something that we're not used to. Like, at the end of the day, like, we are a small island that, you know, are responsible for a lot of the culture out there internationally. But we don't necessarily always get the credit for it. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, we did it. We we you know, quote unquote, founded it, as you said. So it doesn't matter whether we get the credit or not. But I just want to like put that out there for argument's sake that, you know, you can try to erase us, but we're not going anywhere. They so did that. They, they did that. So, you know, in, in the wrap up part of this, I want to let me let me let me let me just close this out first today, guys, um, because I, I've realized that's 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 been the narrative of what I would say the last 48 hours I've been perpetrated towards. Um, in a sense, guys, please don't try to stifle people. Let people breathe, yo. You were surprised with a small bird of fresh air. You're either going to get one or two things. It's either going to find out that they smell really good or their breath stink. But just so you know, that's how we're going to get it done. Just context, guys. We out. Peace. <laughs>